wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for September 27th, 2018. I am Graham Gia Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And I'm going to be upfront with you guys. I really do not have a ton to talk about here on today's show. The show might run a little shorter than usual, just under an hour. It depends how much I can get out of Raw and SmackDown from this past week because they were decent shows. Raw kind of sucked as usual. SmackDown was solid, but really with Super Showdown not happening until the following weekend, until October 6th, um, I'll do predictions for that show next week here on the show. There's really not a ton to talk about, so today's show might be on the shorter side just to give you guys a heads up. I might end up stretching it out to the hour if I can somehow make a miracle happen and just spend 20 minutes talk about uh, talking about Connor beating fucking Chad Gable from Raw. We'll say, depends how much I can praise slash rant about from Raw and SmackDown uh, on Raw uh, on Monday and Tuesday respectively. But also here in today's show, I'm breaking down, previewing, giving my picks, and predicting this Friday's Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view event, which looks stacked on paper. Ring of Honor never disappoints on pay-per-view. This Friday should be no exception. I'll be kicking off the show with my predictions for that pay-per-view in just a moment. But before we get started, as always, guys, be sure to check out the show every single Thursday, not only on nextairwrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio on your Apple Podcast app. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode on Thursdays as soon as they're uploaded to the Podbean, you also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. Next week, actually, marks five years that I've been doing WrestleRant Radio. I have not really missed a weekly show since then. I know there was a brief break in between shows like in the winter of 2013-2014 when I was off on break from school, so I didn't do a show and I couldn't do the show at home at that point. But beyond that, I'm pretty sure I've done at least one weekly show, one weekly edition of WrestleRant Radio every week for the past five years, which is pretty fucking crazy. And that's all due to your guys' amazing support of the show. Thank you so much. Continue that support by subscribing on iTunes, listening on Next Air Wrestling, and of course, spreading the word about WrestleRant Radio. You can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant on Facebook as well. Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. And of course, the aforementioned NextDayWrestling.net not only features new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, but all my written reviews of every weekly show you can possibly imagine. Now, this is the time of year where there is so much shit going up at once just because... You got Raw. You got SmackDown. I review NXT. I review Main Event. I review 205 Live. I review the Mixed Match Challenge. I review Mae Young Classic. And not only that, I review Impact, Ring of Honor, 
Lucha Underground, and really anything else that comes to mind, anything else that occurs, like a big New Japan show or All In, it's all up there on NextEraWrestling.net. So visit on the daily. I have the Week in Review and plenty more content up on the website. Check it out. Every single day, new reviews are uploaded almost daily. So anyway, guys, before I get started here, I just want to thank you guys for your support of the show. Per usual, as I just said, cannot thank you guys enough as we quickly approach the five-year mark of WrestleRant Radio. No big special show planned for next week. It's really going to be business as usual, breaking down Super Showdown and giving my picks, previews, and predictions for that special event. And like I said, no real news from this past week in the world of wrestling. Um, I'm sure there was a few things here or there, but nothing I wrote down here that kind of jumped out in my mind. Just as I was putting together the uh, lineup for today's show, I was putting that together, and I really could not list anything that was uh, of note from WWE or beyond. I'm sure stuff did happen, but nothing really that uh, I thought, you know, that compelled me enough to talk about here on the show. So we'll skip right over the news, right into the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor 2018 predictions. And again, I'm looking forward to the show. The Ring of Honor pay-per-views never disappoint. I usually work on Friday nights, so I can never sit back and relax and watch the show live, but I usually do catch up on the shows when I get back on Friday nights, if not Saturday morning. So if you don't see my review up on Friday night, late, late Friday night, it'll likely be up on um, sometime Saturday, if not Sunday. So anyway, I'm breaking in the card right here for you guys as it currently stands. We have seven matches advertised for the show. Uh, more matches might be added. I would doubt it. Ring of Honor usually does a great job of filling up their three hours with, you know, the right amount of matches and giving each match a certain period of time and not going too overboard or going too short with any one match. So I'm looking forward to it. Again, um, I got Kenny King versus Jushin Thunder Liger kicking off the show. I mean, they could kick off the show with another match. This is what I would kick off the show with. This should be a really, really good match. Kenny King has been firing in all cylinders in 2018, a former two-time Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Uh, recently teasing a heel turn. He beat Marty Skrull with the use of underhanded tactics. Did the same thing this past week in Ring of Honor TV and beating Adam Page. So, can he go 3-for-3 three three with Jushin Thunder Liger is the question. Liger is obviously no slouch, a um, Hall of Fame caliber competitor in any Hall of Fame, whether it be WWE or beyond, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame for all I care. The guy is a legend in this industry. Um, obviously not a regular in Ring of Honor. Uh, Ring of Honor does tend to pick up a lot of talent from New Japan and put them on their pay-per-views, which is fine. does help sell more tickets and whatnot. He's always a um, an attraction for these Ring of Honor shows. So I'm looking forward to this match. It should be very well wrestled, even at 55, 56, however old Jushin Thunder Liger is. He can always be counted on for a quality contest. I'm sure this will be no exception. Uh, Kenny King is the one on a roll right now. There really is no point in having him beat Marty Skrull and then Adam Page, only to lose to Jushin Thunder Liger. That, to me, would be completely pointless. So you got to have Kenny King go over. I have Kenny King beating Jushin Thunder Liger here and continuing his recent role. Um, I don't know where he goes from here. I know he had one point chased, as I mentioned, the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Maybe he eventually enters the Ring of Honor World Championship picture. I think Kenny King is a great young top prospect in that company. And uh, not to say he's going to be the guy in Ring of Honor, but, you know, I think he could be a top tier talent on the top, uh, you know, near the uh, top portion of that card in Ring of Honor just because he is that good. And he's developing quite the character for himself. He was a good babyface. But I like him as a heel even more. So again, this should be a good match. I have Kenny King going over. 
For the Ring of Honor World Women of Honor Championship, we have Sumi Sakai defending against Tennille Dashwood, the former Emma, obviously, from WWE. This should be a great match. I've actually really enjoyed Sakai's run as the Women of Honor Champion. Excuse me, that's a uh, bit of a tongue twister. Women of Honor Champion. Uh, World Women of Honor Champion. Uh, she's defended against all comers, including Madison Rain and a few others from the Stardom promotion. She's very good. I was not really high on the idea at first of Sakai becoming the inaugural Women of Honor Champion, but she has been there since day one. She deserved it. She's been champion now for five, six months. In my opinion, if there was any one time, if there was any one night to have her drop the belt, it would be here to Tennille Dashwood. I don't think there's a better candidate on that roster to become um, the next Women of Honor champion than Tennille Dashwood. I think she's been a relevation since leaving WWE. I think people already kind of knew how good she was and that she would do well for herself on the indies. But women's wrestling on the indies is you know, prominent, but not nearly as prominent as the men's wrestling. So it's cool to see that she's been a... Uh, a player at the forefront of the of this Women of Honor division, kind of getting shots at the Women of Honor Championship and hopefully capturing the championship here. This really could go either way with Dashwood and Sakai. I'm going to go with Dashwood, new Women of Honor champion. Because like I said, I can't see anyone else on that Women of Honor roster um, becoming the next champion, succeeding or, you know, uh, proceeding or proceed, whatever. Uh, taking that championship from Sakai is what I'm trying to say, so... There really isn't a better candidate than Dashwood, so I would give her the championship here and then run with her as champion for a number of months as well. I think she's, uh, again, like I said, a great hand for Ring of Honor, and uh, her character's really come a long way since leaving WWE, the All About Me stuff. It's really what she was doing in WWE, uh, kind of turned up to a 10 or an 11 on the independent scene, which is great. But I expect these two to have a really, really good match, resulting in a championship victory for Dashwood, which would... I believe would be her first champion. I mean, I'm sure she's won championships elsewhere, but um, she never won a single title in WWE. She got a few shots at the Raw Women's Championship, at the NXT Women's Championship, which she really should have won at some point. She never did. Oh, well. Um, but I would hope that, uh, you know, a lot like Cody, who never really got that, the big one in WWE, that Dashwood can win the big one in Ring of Honor in the form of the World Women of Honor Championship. So I got Dashwood becoming the new champion there. In a tag team tables match, Flip Gordon and Colt Cabana teaming up against Bully Ray and Silas Young. Bully Ray, I mean, I'm not really sure what to say about him. I mean, the stuff with Cheeseburger felt like it was never-ending for fucking months. But he's really come a long way as a heel. The guy really does know how to be a great heel. He perfected that art in TNA as a singles competitor, and now he's taking his talent to Ring of Honor to kind of do the same thing over there. I have no desire to see him as the world champion, mind you, but it is great to see Bully Ray kind of helping put over the younger guys by working with them, because Bully Ray gets massive heat every single time he goes out there. He is a, a shining example of someone who can garner and generate a lot of heat and then transfer into that uh, to a good rub to one of the younger guys. Now, Cole Cabana is not a young guy, so I'm not really sure why he's feuding with Bully Ray of all people. But Flip Gordon can really use the boost. Um, he has yet to really win any championships in Ring of Honor. He's gone for the World Championship before, including it all-in a few weeks ago. Um, in order to continue his role, he should win here. There really is no reason for him to lose to Bully Ray and Silas Young, which is a interesting combination in and of itself. Bully Ray and Young have been teasing tension for a few weeks now. I'm not really sure where they stand. Um, I don't know if a face turn is in the works for Silas Young. I would guess not. But you never know. 
Um, as a tables match, this should be a lot of fun. Obviously, the forte of Bully Ray, his specialty. But um, I think Flip Gordon and Cole Cabana will pull out a victory here and finally get Bully Ray his comeuppance that has been long overdue for many months now. So, yeah, I got Flip Gordon and Cole Cabana emerging victorious in that outing. For the Ring of Honor World Television Championship, Punishment Martinez defending against Chris Sabin. Um, this doesn't have a lot of buzz on paper. I like Sabin a lot, and I think this can be a very fun match. The guy can always be counted on for a great match. So I have no doubts that the match is going to be awesome, but I don't know. I mean, the build has been there. It's not that the build has been non-existent, because it hasn't been, because Chris Sabin did beat Silas Young to become the new number one contender to the title a few weeks back, only to be attacked by Punishment Martinez afterwards. Not only Saban, but also his tag team partner, Alex Shelley, who recently announced his retirement from the ring, which is disheartening. I think uh, the Motors and Machine Guns were one of the best tag teams that I've been a fan of for the past decade now, between their work in Impact and now in Ring of Honor. Um, so Alex Shelley is no more in Ring of Honor, at least for right now. Chris Saban embarking on his own in the singles ranks. And Alex Shelley said this, he said, if only, we're going to be breaking up, but just do this for me, if only, just become the Ring of Honor World Television Champion for me. Now, I guess I could see him living up to his word, Saban becoming the champion. Saban, he's not really at that point yet where he has like crowds going crazy for him. He really has not had enough time on his own to get those type of reactions. So I think this is just a filler feud for Martinez. I'm not sure who he's going to drop the championship to. I think him and Flip Gordon would be would be a great feud. Um, I'm sure they've faced off before. I'm almost positive they have. But I think Gordon would be the perfect candidate for that championship eventually. But in the meantime, though, uh, Chris Saban is a fine filler opponent for Martinez. I'd pop big if Saban won. I don't think he will. But still, I think Martinez walks away still the Ring of Honor World Television Champion after a strong showing from Chris Saban. For the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, we have the Briscoes taking on the addiction from SoCal Uncensored. Uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. You know, I said this before, but SoCal Uncensored have done a tremendous job of getting themselves over as a uber-popular trio. Um, SCU has been a relevation for these six-man tag team title ranks in Ring of Honor. I don't think those championships are being defended on this show. No, they're not. They're not, because I know they're being currently held by Cody and the Young Bucks. So that's, I completely forgot those championships existed for a moment, but anyway. Um, yeah, with, with SCU, I mean, I think they've done a great job with getting over as baby faces, as fan favorites, and I think their role on being the elite for the last number of months now has played a uh, big part in that, because, you know, the whole SCU, this is the worst town we've ever been to, and all that other stuff, that all started on the Young Bucks YouTube show, Being the Elite. So without that show, I'm not exactly sure where they would be today, Um I would say that they're a good team to take those championships off the Briscoes. The Briscoes have been steamrolling through the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Division um, through at least March. I think they knocked off, um, I think it was the Motor City Machine Guns or the former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. They won those championships back, I think, at the March pay-per-view, the 16th anniversary show. So that being said... Um, with the Briscoes, uh, I'm not sure if, if they win here, who else is there for them, for them to defend against? They've knocked off a lot of tag teams, including the Young Bucks, the best in the world. If they beat the Young Bucks, then I'm not sure who else there is for them to face. Um, but the addiction is as, is as good of a team as any for them, you know, to, as good of a team as any to take those championships from the Briscoes. 
So I'll go off on a limb and say the Addiction win this one. I think the Addiction are walking out the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, and they're playing up this story right now that if they don't win gold by the end of the year, which is when their contracts expire, then they're gone from Ring of Honor. So they are in desperation mode to become the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions here. And um, I think they'll be successful, if not here, then at the December pay-per-view, which would be Final Battle. So, I yeah, I'm tempted to say yes. I'm tempted to say they're going to win. Uh, you know what? I feel like they... You know what? I'll go with the Briscoes and say the Addiction will win the championships. Just not on this show. Let's say a final battle in December, which I have since gotten my tickets to, by the way. That show was great last year when they went. Dalton Castle became the new Ring of Honor World Champion. Who else won on that show? Silas Young became the new Ring of Honor um, World Television Champion. That was a very fun show. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, more of that final battle in December. I think it's December 13th or 14th. One of those two. I think it's 14th. 14th, uh, the 14th is a Friday, but at any rate, with this matchup, I got the Briscoes going over, still the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, and our co-main events on this show, starting with the, um, what would be a 10-man tag team match. This is going to be a blockbuster bout. The Bullet Club, consisting of Cody, Marty Skrull, Adam Page, and the Young Bucks, taking on Chaos, consisting of uh, Kazushka Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Rocky Romero, and best friends, that being Trent Barretta, and uh, Chucky T. So yeah, this match has no storyline significance whatsoever. Aside from the fact that the entire Bullet Club is back on the same page, they're doing their thing right now, they're not really heels, they're not really baby faces, they're just kind of all over the place at the moment. Um, This really is just an attraction match, I'm sure the match will be amazing, but does it really matter who wins? Like, we'll we'll never really see Chaos and Ring of Honor in this form again. I would imagine, at least, you know, not anytime soon on pay-per-view or on TV. So obviously the Bullet Club's going over. They're the Ring of Honor regulars. Okada's not Ring of Honor. Really, none of them are, with the exception of, like, Chucky T and Beretta, uh, best friends. Rocky Romero. Rocky Romero really isn't in Ring of Honor. Ishii's never in Ring of Honor. So I'm going to say Bullet Club, and the match should be great, but I'm just left wondering, like, what's next for Bullet Club? Uh, they kind of told their story with Cody and Omega. They went all the way with, you know, the Cody turn, becoming a babyface. Now they're kind of doing Bullet Club OG versus the new Bullet Club, Bullet Club Elite, whatever you want to call it, which is all fine and dandy. But we haven't real, we haven't seen much fallout from that in the last two months or so, I would say, a uh, month or two. So I don't know where they're going with that angle. I don't think it'll be furthered on this show, but... Yeah, does Cody go back after the Ring of Honor World Championship? What about Marty Skrull, who has since lost the World Championship opportunity multiple times? Are they just biding their time until their contracts expire? So it's kind of a weird position for these guys to be in. I think they're winning. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I'm just kind of wondering why the match is happening, aside from just selling tickets for the show, and where all five guys will go once Death Before Dishonor is over. Like, will Cody go back to the World Championship scene, like I said? Will the Young Bucks go back after chasing the... Uh, tag titles. Again, I know Cody and the Young Bucks are the new Ring of Honor uh, six-man tag team champions, but we haven't seen them defend those titles since they won them a few weeks ago. So they kind of feel like afterthoughts at the moment. Despite the fact they're on, you know, a standard trio, like a real trio, it's kind of weird for them to take the championships from the kingdom only to, you know, not do anything with the championships. But anyway, uh, Bullet Club wins there. Then in the main event, which I would hope would be the main event, I could see the 10-man tag team match going on last, which is fine. I really hope they close out with the Ring of Honor World Championship match. That being Jay Lethal and Will Ospreay, this match should be fucking awesome. 
Will Ospreay is an amazing talent. We have not seen much of him in Ring of Honor over the past year or so. I know I saw him compete at Final Battle against Matt Taven, and he lost. I think he said in a recent promo on Ring of Honor TV that his final match in Ring of Honor was against Jay Lethal. I do not remember that. It must have been a house show or a War of the World show or something. I don't remember, but um, he is back. He is gunning for the gold and is determined to become the next Ring of Honor World Champion. I don't think he will. Um, unless he signed like a full-time contract. And even then, Jay Lethal just won the championship over the summer. There's no real reason to take that cha- uh, take that title off of him anytime soon. Jay Lethal is a perfect fit as champion right now and still has a number of feuds left to uh, partake in as champion, including with like Bully Ray, if they want to go that direction. Maybe rekindle his rivalries with Cody, Marty Skrull, Silas Young. Everything feels, French- uh, everything feels fresh again. Once it's over, the world championship. So I can see him facing any one of those guys. Um, but yeah, this should be an amazing match. But again, the outcome is not really much in doubt for me anyway. Jay Lethal, still your Ring of Honor world champion. So that does it for my picks, predictions, and preview for Ring of Honor's Friday. Uh, Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view should be amazing on late Friday night on Honor Club. I am an Honor Club member, so I get the pay-per-view for free. A VIP member, that is. So check out Honor Club. A great deal. You get the... TV episodes before they air, you get the pay-per-views free of charge whenever they air, live streaming after the fact, whatever. You get all this content from the last number of years, including All In and all these other great pay-per-views. So, yeah, um, definitely check it out on Friday if you're, you know, uh, just a hardcore WWE fan and have never really checked out Ring of Honor before. Always start with the pay-per-views. Those are always a great starting point. Their week-to-week storytelling on the shows is not the best and not always the most consistent, but the pay-per-views never cease to deliver, and I'm sure Death Before Dishonor will be another awesome show from Ring of Honor. So check it out, Death Before Dishonor. Looking forward to it on Friday night. Now we transition into Raw from Monday night. Uh, I'm not sure this will be as glowing of a review as it has been the last couple of weeks, and I say that sarcastically just because Raw has been in the fucking doldrums for months now, dating back to the Superstar Shake-Up. Monday's episode... Kind of continue that trend. Um, I had a Super Showdown next Saturday. So the build to Super Showdown on this show I thought was well done. But again, it's a show I don't really care about. Just because the greatest Royal Rumble, we all kind of knew going in it would be a glorified house show. And that's exactly what it ended up being. Braun Strowman winning that Royal Rumble meant nothing. Meant nothing. Nothing on that show meant anything in the long run. It was really pretty pointless. Um... I'm hoping Super Showdown will be better. I have no interest in Crown Jewel at all, which is happening in early November. And there's just so many fucking shows going on right now between Super Showdown, Evolution, Crown Jewel, Survivor Series, fucking SmackDown 1000. I mean, like, come on. The the thousandth episode of SmackDown should be a way bigger deal than it is currently. They spent months building up the 1,000th episode of Raw to be the biggest deal of all time, the, the hype was real, it was super exciting, they announced weeks in advance that The Rock would be there, DX was going to be reuniting, there was going to be a fucking wedding, a WWE Championship match. So far, we know nothing about SmackDown 1000, aside from the fact that The Undertaker may be there, I mean, he has to be. He's shown up at Super Showdown, I know he's being advertised for the show, doesn't mean he will show up, but I would assume he will be, I mean, he was at SmackDown 900. Um, so Taker's pretty much a lock, but beyond him, who else be getting, bro? Who else be getting for SmackDown 1000? Edge, I know he said, oh, I haven't been asked yet, so I'm not really sure about that. I think you'll be there. Batista outright said on his Twitter, 
that it's in Washington, D.C., and I've yet to be invited, which is fucking bullshit that they would not even bother to invite one of their biggest stars right now in Hollywood to not even reach out for an invitation is pretty ridiculous. I think they were trying to work something out for The Rock to appear, and I don't know, I feel like if he was, they would have announced it by now. I mean, we're only two or three weeks out from the show. It's really not that far away at all. So like two and a half weeks, it's really disappointing to think that they have done next to nothing to hype up SmackDown 1000. SmackDown 900 was a glorified episode of SmackDown, but even that felt like a kind of a big deal. We had the Intercontinental Championship defended and, and change hands with The Miz beating Dolph Ziggler for the belt. We had the cutting edge. The Undertaker showed up. It was a good show. Not as epic as it could have been, but it was a good show. SmackDown 1000 should not be another fucking show. It should be the show of the year. WWE went all out in promoting Raw 25, as they should have. But they should also give the 1,000th episode of SmackDown a similar treatment. And it just goes to show they care way more about SmackDown than they do Raw. I mean, you go back to Raw 1000, they spent legit two months building that up, hyping up legends on Raw every week to face Heath Slater, showing flashbacks to the, you know, having a countdown to the 1,000th episode of Raw, having flashbacks to Raw's greatest moments. And again, it was a big fucking deal. But they've done nothing to give SmackDown 1000 a similar treatment, which is really disheartening because there's so much they can do with that show between, I mean, again, they might promote a WWE Championship match, and if they will, it's not going to be until after Super Showdown, so until the go-home show for SmackDown 1000. So it might be another week or two until we find that out for a fact. Um, but again, they really should be reaching out to as many people as possible. Not you just typical Vicky Guerrero and Teddy Long. Like, that's great and all. But I'm talking about, like, a real celebration. Like, bringing back Batista would be huge. Or fucking, I mean, The Undertaker's great, Edge is great, but Batista, Rey Mysterio, who was reportedly already re-signed with WWE. So why would you not put him on the, have him return for the 1,000th episode of SmackDown? Doesn't that make perfect sense? Like, if he's coming back anyway, not why not run vignettes in the next couple of weeks promoting his return for that episode of SmackDown? Why the fuck not? Why not do Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles for the WWE Championship? Why not bring back Rey Mysterio? Why not have The Undertaker compete on TV for the first time in many, many years? Why not bring back Batista? I mean, like, they could be doing way more to make the show feel special, and right now it feels like... Not only does it not feel special, it feels like another fucking show. Because they have yet to even mention it on TV. It's ridiculous. Like, again, I know we have Evolution and Super Showdown and Crown Jewel. Who gives a fuck about any of that shit? SmackDown has been around for 15... Not even 15. 20 years. Close to 20 years. Their 15-year celebration was ridiculous. It was stupid. It was hardly a celebration. They had fucking Teddy Long and John Laurinaitis come back, and that was it. I was really disappointed. Um, they should be making SmackDown 1000 again out to be the biggest deal possible. The biggest deal possible. And right now, they have yet to say anything about the event, which, again, is extremely disappointing. But going into Raw for Monday night, uh, Baron Corbin interrupted the Shield to start the show, um, saying that they would compete in a six-man tag team match later on in the night with uh, Corbin and his uh, partners of you know two partners of his choosing taking on Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. So also in this segment we had a tease 
for a Dean Ambrose heel turn with Drew McIntyre attempting to uh, manipulate um, Ambrose and, and Ziggler and Strowman trying to manipulate Dean Ambrose into turning on the shield, which is interesting because people have been speculating this for weeks now, really ever since he came back. Even before he came back, people thought that Ambrose would uh, be turning heel in the not-so-distant future, which I think he should, and he will, but it's gonna it, it should take some time. I think they should wait until at least you know early next year, early 2019, after they've really gone all the way with the Shield reunion. Because right now, what the fuck have they done? Nothing. They've done nothing. They just returned, reunited about a month ago. Um, they should be together for a little while longer before having Ambrose go heel on him. So I appreciate the tease to kind of add more intrigue in the, you know, for the upcoming six-man tag team match at Super Showdown, pitting the Shield against Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre, a match that is pretty meaningless on paper since it means nothing. Um, Strowman already has another championship match lined up for Crown Jewel. So again, it's really just a raw main event on a big special a big pay-per-view, whatever. And the Shields already had their first matches back as a unit on Raw. I mean, they wrestled on Raw this past week. So it's not like it's their first match together. Um, it's not. But again, the point being that Ambrose, I don't think he's going heel at Super Showdown. He will go heel eventually. He should go heel eventually. Obviously, ideally, it would be Roman Reigns, but we all can't have what we want, of course. So I think it's going to be Dean Ambrose going heel at some point down the road once the Shield reunion runs its course. Right now, they're still... Early on with it, people are very much into it. There's no real reason to break them up anytime soon. So I like the tease. I, I appreciate the tease. But for them to think that there was a chance that we thought as viewers that there was a shot of Ambrose walking out on Rollins and Reigns at the end of this episode um, before the six-man tag team match even happens is fucking ridiculous. So I thought, I mean, again, I appreciate the little attempts to make the match more meaningful um, but it, I, I can't say it worked, but at least they tried. So I do appreciate the effort nonetheless. From there, we had Finn Balor taking on Jinder Mahal in a match that served no purpose whatsoever. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it serves something of a purpose because both guys I think will be facing off in the mixed match challenge next week. Alicia Fox was in Jinder's corner. Bailey was in Balor's corner. That's all fine and dandy. I don't really care about the show. The show is fine. Mixed match challenge. Okay. But I don't really care about the extra build for it on Raw and SmackDown because it serves no purpose. There's no championship on the line. It's like I think you... What what they did last season was have the teams represent a certain organization and then whatever team won, they would donate money in that organization's name. I don't think they're doing that this season, as far as I'm aware. Uh, they announced the show really on a whim like two weeks before it started to back up again. So unless they're... I don't know. I don't think they're doing that this time, so... There's nothing on the line in the Mixed Match Challenge. It's really just kind of a pointless show. So to have pointless matches on Raw pitting Balor against fucking Jinder Mahal is not going to do anyone any favors. I mean, on the bright side, Balor won. But it's like they really, 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 really should be doing more with Balor than what they're doing with him currently. And there's a few different things they could be doing with him. Either put him with Owens in a feud, who I know is currently tied up with Bobby Lashley, but a Balor-Owens feud would be much more tolerable and entertaining than a fucking Bobby Lashley and Kevin Owens feud. So, Balor and Owens. You could try turning Balor heel. You can put him in the Intercontinental Championship picture, which I know he was earlier this year, but that's where he thrived. And he came close to winning the championship on a few different occasions. You can go back to doing that if you want, so I would have no issue with that. Um, but just having him face Jinder Mahal in a completely pointless match or just not having him on TV at all because he was not even on Raw last week 
hurts his stock. I mean, his stock's already in the toilet as it is. But bottom line, they can be doing so much more with this guy than what they're doing currently, which is nothing. Um, I think a move to SmackDown is inevitable. I would not do it anytime soon just because I don't like when they move people from show to show in between the Superstar Shakeup because it makes the Superstar Shakeup feel irrelevant. But I would move Balor in the Shakeup uh, come after next year's WrestleMania. And I think he had something good going with the club with Anderson and Gallows who aren't even doing anything on SmackDown. It's not like they're with AJ. They're not. So why not just keep them on Raw? Why not move them all to SmackDown together? You know, I just... Feels very strange to put them together for a few months only to break them apart again. So that's weird. But yeah, that match was pointless. After that, we had the Riot Squad taking on Natalia and the Bella Twins. The match itself, I really remember nothing about except for the fact that Brie Bella fucking almost, I don't want to say almost killed, but she legitimately injured Liv Morgan with two hard kicks to the face. So she was doing the yes kicks, which she's never really had a problem with in the past. And that's fine, but the way this went down was she had accidentally either mistimed something or she just aimed a little too high, and she legitimately kicked Liv Morgan in the face. So that rocked her, and as if that wasn't bad enough, she rocked her again for a second time, not knowing that the first kick made contact. And because the first kick made contact to the face, um, Liv Morgan kind of like fell forward because she was like, unconscious and then Brie Bella kicked her again unintentionally obviously but still she kicked her again before dragging her to the fucking corner of the ring by her head so it's like my god you've been wrestling now for 10 years that is simply inexcusable and the quote-unquote apology that she put out on social media afterwards was laughable it was like oh I didn't mean to hurt her these things happen uh, my thoughts are with her like no real apology. She was just like, oh, this shit happens. It's basically what she said. And yeah, you're right. Shit does happen. Accidents do occur. But to be so fucking reckless, not once, but multiple times in this match, when she first came back a few weeks ago, cannot be excused. She sucks. Brie Bella is awful in the ring. She was never really that good to begin with, but taken two and a half years off did not do her any good. And if she's not in ring ready, then don't put her in the fucking ring. It made no sense. So that was really aggravating. Because Liv Morgan might now legitimately be out as a result of that. So that's that's pretty shitty. But again, um, hopefully she's okay. Brie Bella, I would take her out of the ring completely after that. I know she's set to wrestle with Nikki and Ronda against the Riot Squad in Australia. Fuck it. You know what? If, if Liv Morgan is out, then fucking take out Liv Morgan. If she can't compete, and it's only in a week and a half, I don't think she will. I, I have a feeling they're going to change the match. Take out Morgan and take out Brie Bella, because she's terrible. She has no reason to wrestle in that match anyway. Just have it be Ronda and Nikki versus Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan. That's all you need. That's all you need anyway. Brie Bella is completely, she's unnecessary on the roster. If you want to have her around, that's okay. In a non-wrestling role with Daniel Bryan or with Nikki, okay, whatever. But in the ring so far, she has proven to be reckless and dangerous. So until she either gets better or shakes off whatever ring rust that she has from two and a half years ago, keep her out of the ring for everyone else's sake. As if that wasn't bad enough, Chad Gable taking on Connor of the Ascension. So for the fourth straight fucking week, we had some combination of Gable and Rude versus the Ascension. Now, I said a few weeks ago, I'm a big proponent 
of the Chad Gable Bobby Roode tag team. I think it could be a breath of fresh air for the Raw tag team division, but we won't really know that until they start facing teams that aren't named the fucking Ascension. So it was Gable's second singles match after last week when he beat Victor, who he had already beaten twice before in tag team action, so this was really accomplishing nothing. This week he took on Connor after Connor had laid out Gable at the end of Raw la- or at the end of their match last week. So it was Gable and Connor, a total throwaway match, and then Connor fucking won, which I think um, at br underscore the doctor on Twitter, the doctor Chris Mueller from Bleach Report, shout out to him. He noted on Twitter, was that Connor's first singles victory since arriving on Raw, since arriving in, on the WWE main roster? And I'm pretty sure it was. I cannot, I cannot think of a single time. First of all, that we ever had a fucking Ascension singles match. Second of all, where we had Connor winning a singles match on television, on Raw no less. So that was his first one, beating Chad Gable. So any momentum that Gable garnered from beating the Ascension and then Victor three weeks in a row was completely gone. Connor didn't cheat to win. There was no interference from Victor. Rude didn't turn on Gable. It was a fucking standard clean-ass win for Connor, ruining any, any momentum that Gable got up to this point. A complete waste of time this was. So no closer are we are to a Rude and Gable turn, split, whatever, a rude turn is fine. I'm fine with rude going heel. I want him to go heel. But if this what it if this what it takes, if this is what it takes for us to get to that point with Gable losing to the fucking Ascension, then I have no interest. What is it really going to mean when Gable inevitably feuds with Rude, beats Rude one on one, after losing to Connor here? Clean, clean, clean as a sheet. So again, nothing is accomplished here, and the Ascension are a waste of space. And I know you need your jobber tag teams and stuff like that, but these guys suck. They're terrible. They're not good, and every time they're on TV, it's cringeworthy television. It's essentially inviting you to change the channel. Now, again, I know there's such things as jobber tag teams. You need jobber tag teams such as Heath Slater and Rhino Brazongo, but neither of those teams encourage me to change the channel more than the fucking Ascension does. So again, I hated this. Thankfully, on a brighter note, when it comes to tag team wrestling, for the Raw tag team titles, it was Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre taking on the Revival. Awesome match here. Now, it bothered me a few weeks ago when Ziggler and McIntyre took out the Revival before they were scheduled to vie for the Raw tag team titles against the B team. So we had that. Um, and then the Revival did nothing to retaliate, nothing to complain about. Oh, we got screwed out of a title shot. Now, granted, they weren't on Raw but we still didn't see them. They were never on Raw to say, oh, we was our championship match that we were promised. That was three weeks ago. I'm not sure what took them so long. It's not like they were hit by a car. They were essentially just basically beat up backstage by Ziggler and McIntyre. Nothing too brutal, nothing out of the ordinary from what we usually see on Raw. So I'm not sure where they've been for the past three weeks and why they waited so long to demand their shot of the Raw Tag Team titles. But we got it on this show, and it was a great match. There was a report, I believe from either Dave Meltzer, I believe it was from Meltzer on the wrestling observer uh, radio show whatever or from PW Insider I'm pretty sure it's Meltzer noting that Vince McMahon was very happy with this Raw Tag Team title match as he should be it was a really fun match probably not expecting to be as good as it was Um, he probably thought it would be a standard like you know five minute match that no one really cared about and granted the fans had no reason to care about this when you pit two heel tag teams against each other Um, but the crowd was into this by the end now I figured that the Revival weren't winning but I thought the suspense surrounding the near falls and the entering action itself, I thought was excellent, very entertaining, and the, Rev- and the Revival looked really good in the feet here. 
I enjoyed this a lot, and it was a great reminder as to how good the Revival actually are. Now, anyone who followed their NXT careers is well aware of that, but anyone who didn't probably isn't. They probably have no clue how good these guys really are, um, you know, compared to how they used to be in NXT. So I'm glad they got the chance to shine here, came close to winning the Raw Tag Team Championships before finally falling short. I'd be totally fine with them taking the titles from Ziggler and McIntyre at some point down the road. But right now, they just won the gold. It's too soon to take those championships from Ziggler and McIntyre, but hopefully that turned a few heads in the back for the Revival because these guys are still fucking awesome and uh, deserve you know, all the accolades and attention in the world. So hopefully this was a breakout performance from them, which, again, it's not like... They weren't doing good before. They were. But they really needed that one match for the officials in the back to take notice as to how talented they truly are. And I think this match was that. Bobby Lashley and Elias facing off in a rematch from last week after the return of the Kevin Owens show with Elias as the special guest. Uh, Leo Rush interrupted talking about Bobby Lashley and the upcoming tag team match at WWE Super Showdown, which we'll see Bobby Lashley team up with the returning John Cena against Kevin Owens and Elias. Uh, the Lash Elias, the Lashley and Elias one-on-one match was was fine. It was it was pretty good. Once again, ending on a disqualification after Kevin Owens got involved, laid out Bobby Lashley when the referee was looking unbeknownst to him. So Bobby Lashley won by DQ. Uh, Lashley and Rush once again forcing the heels to flee from the ring. I'm liking the I'm liking the Leo and Lashley um, pairing so far. I think the partnership is great. It can do a lot of good for both Lashley and Rush. It gets Rush on a bigger platform than just 205 Live. Gives him more exposure. And for Lashley, it gives him a mouthpiece, which he desperately needed. And it also helped, too, that Lashley, this show, emanated from his hometown of Denver, Colorado, which is where he's from. So we got a big pop here. Um, easily the biggest pop I've heard for Lashley since he came back. Um, he got a pretty big pop when he first came back. But beyond that, he has not gotten as big of a pop since this night. So, I mean, again, it's his hometown. But still, it's a nice momentum booster. So that was kind of cool to see. And I'm hoping that the Lashley-Leo Rush um, partnership can kind of revitalize Lashley's career. Hopefully as a heel at some point down the road. But for right now, it's better than nothing. Nia Jax back in singles competition, squashing Alicia Fox after beating Fox and Mickey James in tag team action the week before. Uh, this was fine. The Shield taking on Baron Corbin and his partners of, the, of his choosing, as I mentioned at the start of the show. Um, his partners turned out to be AOP, which is what I kind of figured. It was a good spot for them. I mean, it's something different. AOP have been squashing local athletes now for the last couple of weeks. It was something different. It was something new. They didn't win. They didn't need to win. They shouldn't have won. Um, but they had a real good showing here. I thought this was a real entertaining main event. Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns one-on-one does fucking nothing for me. But when you throw in the Shield there and, you know, you have the Shield killing it like they always have, you know, the Shield six-man tag team matches were, were were really what made Raw not every episode exciting, but they were the bright spots in an otherwise dull episode of Raw every fucking week in 2013 and 2014. And that might just turn out to be the case again in 2018 because Raw right now is really not lighting the world on fire. The Shield being back together is not enough. They got to start having more matches on TV. If this is what we're going to get, I'm all for it. So I thought this was a real fun match. Protected AOP. They look good here. And Corbin took the loss at the hands of Roman Reigns. So good stuff here. And like I said earlier, they teased Ambrose going with the heels with um, Ziggler, McIntyre, and Strowman. And he had to decide which, you know, who he was going to go with again. Give me a fucking break. There was never any chance he was going to turn on the shield. I know what they said at the start of the show, but it's not like there's been any teases of Ambrose turning on his partners. If there were weeks and weeks of teases and storytelling and whatever else of Ambrose, uh, you know, 
leaving the shield, turning on his brother and all that other stuff, then maybe I would have bought into it. But give me a break. We have the six-man tag team match already advertised for Super Showdown. They're not going to change it now. So um, that was never, ever, 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 ever in doubt. But still, this was a, a, a decent angle to hook some viewers. I mean, it got a good reaction, but anyone who actually believed that Ambrose was leaving the shield at this point in time was fooling themselves. So this was fine. Uh, good way to close the show. The overall show was fucking boring as shit. But I did like the Shield six-man tag team main event, the Raw tag team championship match. And that's really about it. Everything else was just kind of there, which is the state of Raw at the moment. Before we finish up here, we got about, you know, 15 minutes left. I'll try to stretch out my SmackDown review as much as I can. I'm not really sure that I can. It wasn't really the most newsworthy show. Um, but we did have the debut of Truth TV at the start of SmackDown this week. Um, essentially a ripoff of Miz TV, of course. Carmella is basically a babyface. Um, I don't know when she officially turned, but she's a babyface now. I'm fine with it. She was obnoxious as a heel in a good way. I thought she was a good heel, but her matches sucked. You know what? Whatever keeps her out of the ring in singles competition for right now, I'm all for it. I'm okay with it. I don't really care. Uh, Truth TV had a lot of yeah, polarizing reactions, might be the best way to put it. Uh, some fans loved it. Some fans hated it. I thought it was entertaining. I thought the truth stuff was okay. The seven-second dance segment I thought was stupid. But any interaction between Miz and Brian and the mic I thought was awesome. Daniel Bryan and the Miz are set to clash once again in a number one contenders match for the WWE Championship at Super Showdown next weekend, which is, this was more hype for that. Uh, I'm still digging the feud. Some people are saying, you know, they're not really evolving. They're not really giving out any new material. I understand that. I get that. But I'm still digging the feud right now. I think it's great. I think the best course of action would be to have Miz beat Brian, which I know sounds weird because Brian has now lost to Miz at SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell. But have Miz win, keep him undefeated against Daniel Bryan, and then go back to this feud in time for WrestleMania. And that's where you have Brian beat Miz for the WWE Championship. Because really, the WWE title is what Brian came back for. That's what he went for two nights after returning at WrestleMania to the ring. And then he went for the WWE Championship. I think it was a WWE title match. It might not have been, but he still faced AJ Styles that Tuesday on SmackDown. And on second thought, I don't think it was a title match. But anyway, I got to go back and check. Um, the championship is what he came back for. So that should be his ultimate goal. Having him become number one contender now and then lose. Like I said earlier, Brian and AJ for the championship at SmackDown 1000 would be great and all. But eh, I would still hold out on that for a while. So, still, I would have my uh, Miz and Brian be the uh, featured match for the WWE Championship of WrestleMania. Purely my fantasy booking, though. Uh, Miz did face R-Truth here to get custody back of his show, I guess, even though he never really lost it. He beat R-Truth to get his win back from two weeks ago. Also, to build hype for a mixed match challenge later on in the night after SmackDown, where Miz and Asuka beat R-Truth and Carmella in a first-round match. Um, so, decent start to the show. We then had Sheamus taking on Big E after Cesaro knocked off Kofi Kingston on last week's show. This was another good match. Nothing stood out as special about it, but I thought they worked well together, put together a pretty decent matchup, and Sheamus emerging victorious to continue building momentum for the bar. Ahead of Super Showdown when Sheamus and Cesaro gunned for the SmackDown Tag Team titles against the New Day, so successful stuff here. We had Rusev calling out Aiden English for him to explain his actions from last week when he turned on Rusev. Um, I like the vignette. I like the video packages of, uh, of them kind of recapping their history from the past year, the whole Rusev Day thing. I thought all that was well done. I liked it. I liked the history. 
I mean, it was all for the obvious reasons. English was like, oh, you know, you would be nothing without me. I was what made you relevant, blah, blah, blah. Lana was like, I brought him out in a fucking tank at WrestleMania. She didn't say fucking, but she should have. That would have been entertaining. Uh, that would have been amazing must-see TV if she said if she dropped an F-bomb there. And he, she's right. She brought him out in a fucking tank at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 31. Then he was, it was all downhill from there for Rusev. He really has not been the same since. But the babyface stuff is a step in the right direction. Anyway, um, English was like, you know, you've been stealing my spotlight time for me to break out of my own. This segment was going just fine until he dropped the bomb that there was a night in Milwaukee where you and I were more intimate than Rusev knew about or whatever. Um, I have no idea where this is going. I don't know if it's going to be a one-week angle. They're going to drag it out, do the same shit they had done with Lita and Enzo a couple years ago, which was absolutely awful. So I really hope they're not going in that direction, teasing a you know, uh, Lana cheating on Rusev, and, you know, it's one way to spice up the storyline, because they really didn't care about it to begin with, I still don't care about it, per se, because I'm sure it's going to lead to a one-off match with Rusev beating English in, like, five minutes, and that's really the only result that makes sense, um, but beyond that, it's like, eh, they've gone this route before with certain storylines, it never works out, and I'm just not optimistic it's going to work out this time, so we'll see where it goes, but they did tease throughout the show that, Lana teased, or that she cheated on Rusev, and, you know, that's why Aiden turned on Rusev, blah, 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 they're teasing tension within the ranks of Rusev Day, and that's all fine and dandy, um, I still don't see it leading really anywhere aside from a five-minute television match, but, um, the whole, I guess, you know, I got a good reaction people pop for, but they always, they always pop for anyone calling someone a bitch, or, um, any signs of dissension with cheating, and like, oh, you cheated on my wife, it's like typical soap opera TV, you know how people call wrestling the male soap opera? Well, it really is. I mean, you really can't deny that when we get shit like this on SmackDown. So, again, I don't know where it's going. I'm not really optimistic that it's going to end up anywhere good, but we'll see where it goes. In tag team action, we had Asuka and Naomi taking on Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. Um, this is fine just to establish Naomi and Asuka as a, you know, a um, cohesive unit ahead of their match with the Iconics at Super Showdown. Um, that's, you know... A, your basic television match at a, at a big show. Um, that's really nothing newsworthy at all. But it is the Iconics' hometown of Australia. I'm sure they'll win. But, um, yeah, Asuka and Naomi, eh. this is fine. It really just kind of feels like Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and then everyone else on SmackDown. No one else really feels remotely special at the moment, including Asuka, who's really fallen off, fallen off a fucking cliff since WrestleMania. But, um, you know, still, this was okay. Shinsuke Nakamura took on Ty Dillinger in non-title action here. The match went all of a few minutes before Randy Orton, of all people, interrupted to, tar- to target and take out Ty Dillinger, um, of all people. I'm not really sure why. He did say afterwards, he was asked, why did you take out Ty Dillinger? And he said, and I quote, that perfect 10 crap is really pissing me off. And you know what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, Ty Dillinger has now been doing the perfect 10 stuff on the main roster for like a year and a half. It hasn't gone anywhere. People still do not care about the guy. He's a glorified jobber. So I can't really say I'm surprised that they gave up on him almost immediately. But the guy is a good worker. I will say that. Um, A feud pitting Dillinger against Orton does nothing for me, considering Orton just got off a feud with uh, Jeff Hardy. Him transitioning from Hardy to Ty Dillinger is like wrestling on Raw and then fucking main event or superstars the next week. So I'm hoping it's just a one-week angle just to build, you know, buy time before Orton either targets Randy or or, uh, himself, Um, either Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles. So I'm hoping they just have a match next week, and that's it. 
because um, they really have no interest in a Ty Dellinger-Randy Orton feud, a really just complete mismatch. But it was a bit of a twist, so there is that. Becky Lynch, non-title action taken on Lana after she was kind of uh, interject- interjecting herself into Lana's business earlier on in the evening backstage. Match went all of a few minutes. This was okay. Lana got a bit more offense than I was a bit happy with, but it was nothing too uh, offensive. She's still bad in the ring, but she's not as uh, terrible as she once was. So this was uh, this was passable, largely thanks to Becky, but this was, this was okay. Becky pick- picking up the win as she should have. Charlotte was nowhere to be seen on this show. Um, she attacked Charlotte earlier on in the evening in a backstage segment. Not, it wasn't didn't happen on the show. It happened earlier on in the day, we were told. She attacked Charlotte during a photo shoot, and then Charlotte was taken home, backstage, whatever. But bottom line is that she didn't show up here. Charlotte was, you know, I thought she would show up after this match and brawl with Becky. Nope. No, she just was nowhere to be seen. So uh, Becky Lynch still riding high, and I love it. Her, her heel run has been awesome so far. And again... It's hard to cheer Charlotte in this whole thing, but again, her heel run has been a real breath of fresh air for her character and the entire SmackDown women's division. So I'm really loving Lynch as a heel up to this point. And then the main event segment was supposed to be a contract signing with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. I mean, your typical contract signing. They end in brawls. They end in, you know, complete chaos, which is really nothing new for WWE. This has been happening for years now. So nothing out of the ordinary there. And I was looking forward to it. I mean, the, the feud up to this point, I think, has been solid. I will say that any chance of Joe becoming WWE champion is nearly non-existent by this point. Now, they could always give him the belt in Australia. I don't think they will. I think if they were going to do a title, uh, if they were going to do a championship change, if they were going to change the title, I think it would have been at Hell in a Cell. But because of the involvement of AJ Styles' family and everything else and that he's fighting for their honor and pride and all this other stuff, I think that essentially spells the end of Joe's chances as WWE champion. Because they've said this before. Various wrestlers and whoever, personnel, have said that when once you involve the family, once you say that you're doing it for someone's family or your own family, you're going to win. They wouldn't promise that if he wasn't winning. So I think AJ's winning in Australia. I'll give my official prediction next week. Something might change between now and then, uh, between now and next Thursday. But I still think AJ's walking out, still WWE champion. But at least they're trying to keep this feud relevant, which they've done a great job of. AJ and Joe work well together. I think they should kind of, you know, put the focus back on the WWE championship, which it really should be about in the in the you know in the end. It really should be centered around the WWE title. But if they want to incorporate the family some more, that's okay. So basically what happened here, um, instead of the contract signing taking place, and Paige was out in the ring, AJ was out in the ring, Joe did indeed follow up on his threat from a few weeks ago in going to the Styles household. And he was like kind of threatening AJ from outside the house. Then he rang the doorbell and said, Daddy's home. And the show just ended. That was it. I thought, honestly, that was a great ending because it feels like that would be the ending to any other show that you would watch, like any other television drama or whatever. So it didn't really feel like a wrestling show in that moment because I'm intrigued to find out what happens next. So from that standpoint, I thought it was a a success. And I'm still looking forward to their no count out, no disqualification match in Australia next week. And now it does beg the question, since AJ signed the contract and Joe didn't because he wasn't there, he was in Georgia at the Styles household, is the match actually going to happen? Because Joe never really signed the contract, so does that mean the match is official or is it off? I kid. But, like, it's those kind of logic things that really, you know, kind of bother me because it's like they never really said that Joe signed the contract, so is the match still happening? Like, why would you announce the match 
before the contract signing. Like, they do that in WWE all the time. I know that never really makes sense. It's a tired trope of theirs, but that's just my, merely nitpicking at this point. Uh, but I thought the angle was well done. It definitely left me on the edge of my seat. Like, holy shit, like, did my computer go out? Like, what happened? Like, did the broadcast cut out? What happened here? No, I thought it was well done. I thought it was good. And definitely leaves me looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next on SmackDown next week and the final episode of SmackDown before Super Showdown next Saturday. So the card's okay on paper. Um, like I said, I'm not overly optimistic that Super Showdown will be a must-see show. Just because the Greatest Royal Rumble was fine, had a few decent matches, but in the end, it meant absolutely nothing. So I'm hoping Super Showdown will be different in that respect. Uh, there's a lot of matches that are just completely pointless, like Asuka and fucking Naomi versus the Iconics, who cares? Bobby Lashley and John Cena versus Kevin Owens and Elias, who cares? Um, there are a few matches that could be really good, though. I think AJ and Joe will rip it up. I think Brian and Miz will rip it up. I think Charlotte and Lynch will rip it up. There's a lot of good matches on the show. Um, I'm just not overly optimistic that, I don't know, that it's going to be a a must-see event in the end. It's probably going to go fucking five hours like the Greatest Royal Rumble did. Um, and then we have Evolution coming up late next month. And then we have Crown Jewel and then Survivor Series. And like I said, SmackDown 1000, which they have yet to follow up on at all, which is a big problem. So I'm hoping they advertise more names for that. Hopefully there's more of an update on SmackDown 1000 come next week's show, which will fall almost exactly on the five-year anniversary of WrestleRant Radio. This show debuted back in October... No, I thought it was, I was going to say the third. I think it might be the eighth. Pretty sure it was the eighth because I did review the Battleground pay-per-view. So two weeks will actually be the anniversary of WrestleRant Radio. But still, we're coming close on that uh, milestone mark, and it's all due to you guys that the show is still running to this day. Thank you for your support of the show. I greatly appreciate it. Be sure to check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday by... You know, either checking out nextdaywrestling.net, they're always available up there in archive form, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode as soon as they're uploaded to the Podbean on Thursday mornings, afternoon, nights, whatever, sometimes at midnight, you not only get the new episodes, but also every archived episode dating back to October of 2013, almost exactly five years. A lot of great guests, a lot of awesome interviews, a lot of entertaining episodes. Be sure to check out the entire archive of WrestleRant Radio, nearly five years worth of content only on iTunes and some other various podcast platforms as well. As for me, folks, you can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant. Follow me there also on Facebook like the Page. Give it the old thumbs up at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Also on YouTube, youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham Jason Matthews. Next Day Wrestling, I already talked about my, my full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Main Event, Mixed Match Challenge, 205 Live, Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha Underground, and anything else you can possibly imagine all up on the website. My articles, Bleach Report, Sports Betting, uh, sports betting Dime, What Culture. I have not written for them in a while, but I'm hoping to get my new article up for them soon. Um, Hidden Remote, all that stuff, um, Daily DDT, new articles going up all the time. You can check out my updates on nextdaywrestling.net, also on my socials. And finally, I don't plug this a lot, but be sure to follow me there as well on Instagram at instagram.com backslash Instagrammermina. So a bit of a tongue twister there, but I-N-S-T-A-G-R-A, 
H-A-M-M-I-R-M-I-N-A. Follow me there. Appreciate all the support on all the socials and beyond. Next Thursday, right here on the show, like I said earlier, we're breaking down WWE Super Showdown. My picks, previews, and predictions for that pseudo-pay-per-view, if you can really even call it that. And then, also on next week's show, my review of Death Before Dishonor tomorrow night, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. It's going to be great, like I talked about earlier, my picks, previews, and predictions for that pay-per-view as well. Next year, next week here on WrestleRant Radio, not only previewing the Super Showdown event, but also reviewing Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, in addition to my regular thoughts on Raw and SmackDown, and any other news and notes from the past week in wrestling. So all that being said, guys, have a great rest of your week slash weekend. I'm Graham Giusin Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.